Pubcast. If you're not listening to Pubcast, the terrorists are winning. That's what Jay Moore says. Welcome to the Pubcast. Sit down and enjoy a pint. Okay, we're back. Finally, after a long hiatus, the Pubcast is back. Uh, after uh, the past few months, we've had to fight through uh, all sorts of technical issues software updates, the publishing platform not working properly, and then uh, a little thing called coronavirus hit, and uh, apparently my computer caught it. It was in recovery for about three weeks. Uh, The jackasses who were fixing it must have been listening to Trump because uh, the cure was definitely worse than the problem, but uh, I have my computer back. We can edit things. We can publish things, so we're we're all good. Uh, but so the pubcast is back with a new format. The old format was fine, but we couldn't get together often enough to generate any sort of rhythm. So we're going back to our roots. Uh, this podcast was originally called uh, Boardwalk Breakdown, and we used it to just go through that week's episode of Boardwalk Empire, uh, break down the themes and the characters and all that good stuff. So now we're going to mostly focus breaking down classic movies, uh, some of our favorite movies and maybe even TV shows uh, and other pop culture stuff. So with this new format, I'm also going to experiment with some different music choices uh, and different segments, so things will evolve over the next uh, few episodes. So for this first episode in our new format, uh, we decided to tackle Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a classic movie that everybody likes. Uh, There's all sorts of behind-the-scenes stuff that we get into. Uh, we recorded this on day six of the quarantine, which seems like three years ago at this point. Um, this one ran a little long, so I broke it up into two parts. Uh, so be sure to check out part two. But for now, uh, here's part one of the Ferris Bueller's Day Off Breakdown. said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Why should he get to skip school when everybody else has to go? Syphilitic meningitis. He never gets caught. This guy in my biology class said that if Ferris dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Well, he's very popular, Ed. I recall Central Park in fall. Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Think he'll be alive this weekend? I can see him denying popular beliefs, setting off on some impossible mission jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. He does whatever he wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whatever he wants. He's very cool. And he never gets nailed. Ferris can do anything. Oh, he's such a sweetie. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. It's a fool's paradise. He is just leading you down the primrose path. Matthew Broderick. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's day off. Because life is too beautiful a thing to waste. All right, so let's jump into this. Ferris Bueller. Or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, So here is the IMDb explanation of the plot. Uh, Take this with a 
grain of salt if you want. High school student Ferris Bueller wants a day off from the school, from school, and he's developed an incredibly sophisticated plan to pull it off. He talks his friend Cameron into taking his father's prized Ferrari and with his girlfriend Sloane head into, head into Chicago for a day. While they are taking while they are taking in what the city has to offer, school principal Ed Rooney is convinced that Ferris is, not for the first time, playing hooky for the day and is hell-bent to catch him. Ferris has anticipated that much to, chag- much to Rooney's chagrin. Wow. I don't... That's not exactly... I mean, that's fine, but that's... I'm not a fan of that one. So, Ferris viewers, day off. When did you guys see it? How'd you react to it? Did you see it in the theater? Was it a big deal when you saw it? Because I don't even know if I... I think I saw this in the theater. I'm not even positive. I definitely did not see it in the theater. This would have been 86. Yeah, I definitely did not see it in the theater. I think it was an end-of-year slumber party at Julie Bradley's house. (laughs) And... We watched this and Fright Night. Um, end of end of the school year. Yeah, and I, I think eighty six for us would have been seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. was. We watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off first, and then we watched Fright Night after that. So we rocked the eighties. So this would have come out in the sp- spring of eighty six. We watched it on VHS. No, oh, maybe not. So maybe yeah, was, I maybe just it was looked at a, I looked at the release, yeah. original release date was June eleventh, eighty six. Yeah. So then maybe it was at at the end of eighth grade because yeah. it was definitely at her house. Yeah. Yeah, because <clears throat> VHS those days the movie release would be almost a year later. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I saw this in the theater. Um, definitely saw it on VHS a thousand times in junior high. I didn't see yeah. Breakfast Club in the theater either. No. Uh, that was well after when I saw that, I think, um, on TV or something. The, this movie was not that... I don't remember it being that big a deal. We all wanted to see it, but if we were not like... It was not like a must-do thing for the summer or whatever. Like, it was, eh, we'll see it, whatever. I think we were maybe slightly too young for it. Yeah. To be that jacked about it. Eric, you'd have been... Really, really too young for it. Yeah, um, summer of '86. I would have been nine years old. <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing the commercial for it when it was first yeah. released. I remember the shot of the parade and the huge crowd, everybody jumping and screaming yeah. during the parade. And I remember that shot in the commercial, and then didn't think about the movie again. Until, uh, I guess it was a year later, was right on the heel of when Allison saw it. I think Allison saw it at a slumber party and came home and said, Mm -hmm. This movie, we get this movie, this movie, this movie. And we, he said, It makes sense. You said it was the end of a year party because I remember it was summer vacation when we rented it and watched it on VHS at the house. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, I, I specifically remember the "Hey, bada bada bada" that whole scene because w- we would see the Cubs on the Superstation, 
uh, <laughs> in the eighties when I was in right. Southern California. So I knew about the Cubs and Wrigley Field was a big deal. So I'm like, oh, that's Wrigley Field. They got to shoot in Wrigley Field. How those kids get out of school for? They, they had a right. baseball game during the week uh, in the afternoon. What are, you, what are you talking about? That wasn't that uh, in LA. They didn't have that 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 often. I don't think. What? Well, let's let's say I never went to one. Fair, I would say that is probably the yeah. right way to phrase that. Yeah, bastards. Um, all right. Well, so this movie was happening, or the the idea, the pitch happened right before the writers' strike. Apparently, John Hughes had made a couple movies, Breakfast Club, and some others. Uh, 16 Candles. 16 Candles right before that, right? Um, so he walks into Paramount with a one-sentence pitch. He hadn't written anything yet. And his pitch was, I want to do this movie about a kid who takes a day off from school, and that's all I know so far. <laughs> Based on that, they greenlit the, the movie because wow. of previous successes. Yeah. Greenlit it to an extent, I think, probably. And then he wrote the script in six days. Six days? Six days. Wow. How long is a script typically? Like a uh, hundred pages? Is I think it's on the outside. I think it's closer to seventy-ish. Yeah. Seventy, yeah, seventy to hundred. I think each page is like a minute of screen time, roughly. Got it. So, depending on how much dialogue you have. Um. So, Anthony Michael Hall of Sixteen Candles fame. He believes that John Hughes wrote the roles of Ducky and Pretty in Pink and Ferris Bueller for him. Anthony Michael Hall thinks that? Yeah. He thought it or still, what? Thought it and thinks it. And thinks it. <laughs> so. John, yeah, John Hughes, as always my understanding, was very, he had like his like acting troupe or whatever. Yeah. And like Molly Ringwald was a big part, obviously. Yeah. Part of that, and oh. so was Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, so and Eric, hang on a second. Will, uh, before we get into that, let me set up what what the structure of this podcast is going to be. This is different. Um, so we're going to go through some of these dopey sort of fun facts of the production and some of the details. Then we're going to d- dive into casting issues. Then we can talk more about Molly Ringwald and all that stuff and casting issues. And then we'll talk about. You know, who almost was cast, we'll do, if we are recasting the movie ourselves in modern times, what that might look like, which I have nothing to offer to that. <laughs> uh, memorable, memorable scenes that and quotes. kind of a... Yeah, what's that? I said it sounds almost impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. I've, I feel like I've got a couple good ones. I don't know any actors <laughs> under the age of 25. So I feel I, like I've got some good ones. I can't possibly do it. Yeah. We'll, uh, and I watched it today. Well, never mind. Yeah, I'll wait. Don't jump the gun. Uh, we'll go into pet peeves if you have any. Uh, we'll go into Rotten Tomatoes scores and reviews. Um, and then we'll do the how much are they worth game at the end. Mm-hmm. Just for the hell of it. So, Eric, uh, before we get into the Molly Ringwald stuff, let's go through some other sort of fun facts. Uh Robert Smith of The Cure wrote a song for the art museum scene that was never used. What? Yep. Huh. I can't imagine a Robert... Well, I guess... Like the, a Cure... 
the museum was it Simple scene, Minds, yeah, I think, was... I think it was the Smiths. Oh, the Smiths. You're right. It was sort of right. a... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Like a real keyboardy kind of... slow sort of... Yeah. Introspective sort of song that from the Smiths that would have been right could have been the Cure I guess right. but it seems weird. And he wrote it specifically for the movie. Yeah, for that scene. Uh, apparently, I didn't find it, but apparently it was, I think, recorded. Is and it they had it and they cu- they cut it like it, they cut the whole. Mm. There was a whole like subplot or something that they cut that. Right. You know that was part of it. I don't know. Mm. Interesting. I can't imagine Robert Smith song specifically for a movie like that you might know more about this Eric I don't know um, Matthew Broderick says that the Ferris uh, singing the Don Shane song in the shower was his idea and then John Hughes had the idea of him doing that on the float in the parade and then throughout the film there's four different places where it's used so the shower scene was the start of that song yeah. being throughout the movie. It wasn't like the parade, no. whatever, German-American, so, whatever. Broderick says that was his idea, was the shower part. And then uh-huh. he was expanding that. Oh, that's great. Let's have you do that throughout the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Do you know what that... Was, per- go ahead. I, I was going to say, I always wondered kind of why... Why that song keeps and? coming up throughout the movie, and I, I guess like Ferris Bueller, he always he kind of had like his style was almost kind of rat packy, but then yeah. like his room his his room was yeah. didn't seem like didn't fit that style. It was sort of like just you you see like Simple Minds posters and yeah. stuff, so it didn't really why why that song would be such a big deal to him always confused me a little bit. Yeah, well, the Simple Minds poster, it was sort of a, a, a John Hughes nod to Breakfast Club. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so the parade that uh, Ferris was in, uh, at first, I, mean, I always forget that it's a German parade. I mean, if you... If you Pay any attention. It's clearly a, everyone's in Lederhosen. Like it's definitely a German yeah. parade. But it, yeah. because it's Chicago, I always thought, oh, it's it's the Pulaski parade. It has to be. Um, it's not. It is was the von Steuben's Day parade. Apparently, some German parade. Uh, but it's happening in the movie on a a school day in the afternoon. Like it's like I don't know who, right. who's Only going to this parade. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, Von Steuben's Day is in mid-September every year. And this movie is clearly set in the spring. Like, it's definitely... Right. I and mean, there's baseball. So it's definitely right. April or May. Yeah. Um, there could be baseball in September. Yeah, for Chicago in the 80s, not so much. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so there, there are a number of... I don't think you call them con- continuity issues, but sort of... Uh, seasonal issues with what's going on in the film because it's supposed to be spring, but there's clearly parts where it's definitely fall, and we can get into that later. Right. Um, Von Steuben's Day Parade. He's just highlighting what Chicago has to offer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he is. <laughs> um, okay. It's a tourist commercial for Chicago. Well, just going back to IMDb. So if, 
it, uh, in um, I think it's Robert Ebert's review of it, or someone's review of it. They say like, oh, you know, it's fine, and he kind of goes on a uh, a, a tourist's version of a Chicago day trip or whatever. He's like, yeah, this movie doesn't really work that well, but it does work well as a, a Chicago travelogue because he goes in so many different places that are famous. But nobody would ever do the actual day. Uh, anyway, okay, back to this. Oh, Ben Stein. So the, he's the economics teacher, apparently. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But if there, there is a still frame of Ferris's schedule on Rooney's computer when he's looking at the, uh, uh, the grades go down or whatever, and there, Ferris does not have economics at any point on his daily schedule. So when he, he says Bueller, Bueller. I always thought that was homeroom. Because they're going through, he's well. Homeroom, you still have to have his class though. He's an. I didn't. I definitely. My homeroom teacher was a French teacher, and I didn't have her ever as a teacher. Yeah, my shop teacher. What do you mean? How do you not? How do you? How are you in their room and not have her as a teacher? It. You're there for the first ten or fifteen minutes of the day. Sorry. Oh, that's different. No, we. Our homeroom was just. A designation of our second period class. Like there was, there was no. You didn't go to ten minutes of homeroom and then go to your real classes. Like there was, it was a class. Like oh, everyone has homeroom second period. Mine was math, and so and so's was English, and so and so. Whoever you had for second period, that was your homeroom. No, I definitely uh, no. Mine. Are, I mean, I don't remember Eric if it was one day a week <laughs> or if it was every day, but um, we did it. Well, my first year or two, it was once a week. It'd be like on Monday or something. Right. But then That's by weird. the end of my time in high school, it wasn't even a weekly thing. We would just have homeroom when there was some specific thing that needed to happen. Yeah. That's and weird. I had the same um, same homeroom class and teacher the whole all four years. You go there for ten minutes as like just like ten or twenty minutes housekeeping issue, like just housekeeping. It could be yeah. voting, or if there would be like wow. some like weekly like silent reading. Like right. there were all sorts of things. Screw that, that! I have no idea what I'm talking yeah. about. Then wonderful, yeah. You crazy Midwesterners, <laughs> Chicago, Milwaukee. That's right. But in your in your defense, though, Brendan, the class. When he's giving the attendance, and everybody who's acknowledging that they're there, they're in, they're sitting in that classroom being taught that lesson. Yeah, definitely. He's teaching DOO economics, right. voodoo economics, and that was the, the the Bueller, you know, taking attendance thing. So whatever, I don't know. Um. Oh, so Ben Stein, who is also a lawyer. I think we we've all seen him on TV, and he got those that uh, game show, that game show with Jimmy Kimmel, however long ago. Uh, when he was ben also money. when Ben signs money. He was also a speechwriter for Nixon and Ford. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. He's like a real like he has a, a real career outside of acting. I mean, that part I knew. I just didn't know about the speechwriting yeah. part. That I didn't know. Um, yeah, he was the. He was a full-blown legitimate economist. Yeah. Before we started, I was reading through the IMDb, and it talked about a little bit how he sort of 
how he and John Hughes sort of eventually got connected through, like, he got six degrees of separate and eventually, you know, from uh, the, uh, someone from Nixon's staff to, you know, a couple different stops eventually to a yeah. casting director introducing the John Hughes. Like, he's known for being on screen for stuff or on TV, but that's, like, the least of his career. Right. Interesting. <laughs> it's crazy. Interesting. Uh... So I didn't have a chance to group all these sort of trivia together, so we're going to jump around all over the place in this mm-hmm. movie. But uh, Broderick hurt his knee earlier um, in the movie. Uh, they, they shot it out of sequence. Uh, so he hurt his movie running through the neighbor's backyards. Like, like yeah. I think severely hurt it in some way. Um, and so he couldn't do any of the dancing choreography on the float for the uh, uh Shane part. So he's just standing there. So he jumps a little bit at the end, but he's like, he can't move because his knees hurt. Wow. Yeah. Uh, does anyone here, I guess I, I know what you speak. Uh, Eric, do you speak French at all? I do not. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rooney says that French phrase, Les jeux en fait. Les jeux en fait, right. Uh, and, and he says it, it means the game is up, right? Actually, means the bets are made. As in, uh, what's it, a croupier uh, at the roulette table? He says that to forbid any new bets in, in the uh, roulette game. So it's hmm. the bets are made, like all bets are made, not uh, the game is up. Hmm. I think that's splitting, okay. ha- splitting hairs and no one cares, right. but uh, I had no idea. Um, How has Jill not commented on that, Eric, at some point? Yeah, she speaks French, right? Right, she, she does. Knows French, and she likes. And she likes to. She likes to make. I've heard her make jokes saying that quote. Oh, really? <laughs> situations where like somebody's screwed or something, she'll try and use that. She'll make that joke. Les jeux sont faits. Okay. So, remember when Cameron calls. Rooney as uh, Sloane's father. Well, apparently, he is doing an impression of and uh, Matthew Broderick's impression of their director on Biloxi Blues. So they worked together on this Biloxi Blues play, and their director sounded like this maniac that he he does the impression of. To, so it's an impression of an impression. It's an impression of Broderick's impression of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I always wonder where that voice came Ferris? from. It's yeah. a very, huh. it's a very unique sort of voice. Oh yeah, it, it sounds like a cartoon sort of character. Come out of, yeah, that's interesting. I always <laughs> kind of wonder where that came from. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, here's like the thing about the spring and the fall deal. Uh, the movie takes place in the spring. Yet at Cameron's dad's garage, some of the leaves on the trees are changing colors. You can see them sort of getting brownish, orangish, whatever, uh, yellow, uh, because it's clearly in the fall. Um, because this was filmed during the fall, and they, they had these Cubs scenes, and it was definitely, they put it in the spring because of the grades and whatever. Uh, some of the leaves were hand-painted green for the shot, like... Some of them are changing to, you know, orange or whatever, but they painted them green. 
you know, and I even kind of made a point of looking at the leaves in the background just to kind of get a sense of when it would have been filmed. And I, I must, I missed well, it. I mean, I saw I mean, the, a lot of flowers and stuff, but I didn't see. Short of there not being leaves, spring and fall here. Yeah. You, you could, it's, it can be tough to tell. Okay. Here's, here's a good one. <clears throat> Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen in the movie is the the drug guy at the end. Okay, so uh, to get his look, I, I know we'll all be shocked. He stayed awake for more than two days to achieve that look. Oh my god! I'm sure he was he was you know jogging every morning and drinking a lot of water. But yeah, he was uh, he was doing his tiger tiger blood. Is that it? Winning. Yeah, he was in that persona already. So, he is playing a character that had a name in the script and had a whole backstory. His name was Garth Volbeck. And apparently, there was a whole version of the script. I, I've never seen it. I mean, it's, it's out there if you look for of it. The six, sure. day stri- the six Day script. Probably, yeah. An early version of the script. Where Garth, Charlie Sheen's character was a friend of Ferris's. Like, they were friends in eighth grade or something. And Ferris had tried to help him because he knew his, his, uh, his home life was bad. Tried to help him a lot, or in, in some ways, to improve his life and get him out of that house and whatever. And Garth uh, wouldn't take his, his help and turned to drugs and went down this bad path of... Uh, and he ends up in, at, the, at the police station at the end of the morning. Right. There's a whole scenario there uh, where Mrs. Bueller is showing a house to the Volbeck family, to Garth's family, because they're moving in or moving mm-hmm. out or whatever the hell. And um, the towing service that tows Rooney's car is Volbeck Wrecking Service. Oh, awesome. So Charlie Sheen's dad, I guess, is the tow tra- truck owns driver. The tow- yeah. who, or owns the, is, trucking, the tow truck company. Right. Yeah. That, that goes to Ferris's house to take away Rooney's cars. There's a whole backstory there that seems strange. I can't. I can't imagine what that movie is. That's a way different it's a, movie. It's a different movie because okay. everything takes place in somewhat real time. So right. there's no like going back. Right. There's no. It's the whole movie's the backstory is told day. in the current. Yeah. Yeah. That's at least another like thirty minutes of screen time to. Oh, at least. Like, like, oh. Well, and so. And I was reading about this. This sort of dovetails into what uh, what Ferris is doing in this movie, supposedly, is because of this failure to help Garth and his turn to drugs and getting in trouble with the police or whatever, that's why he's, he's so hell-bent on getting Cameron out of his house to take him to go skip school for a day. Because he, he sees Cameron's bad home life and... Ferris is this do-gooder who wants to help everybody, supposedly. Uh, and so he wants to help Cameron because he had these mm. failures with Garth. Interesting. I don't... I mean, I think that's a reach. How can that possibly be? Yeah. <laughs> that's not the case in this movie. I don't, I don't see that. Yeah. But a number of people have made that connection. And even in... I think it's Ebert's or Siskel's review, they kind of mention that a little bit. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's not just yeah. Ferris skipping a day and being a knucklehead and, hey, 
you have a car, so drive me. It's, I want, I'm doing this for you. I want you to get out. I don't care about me. I want to get you mm-hmm. out to skip school. Okay. Except for, <laughs> except for I know. how could I be expected to go to school on a day like this, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, the dots don't connect there. I don't see it. There's a, there's a little bit about it, the way he talks about Cameron when, he, when he's talking yeah. in the bathroom and talking with Cameron's um, sort of catatonic by the, by the lake. He's talking, he's, <clears throat> he's kind of some of that sentiment, but yeah, it's a, it's, that's a completely different movie. Yeah. Yeah, sure, there are bits and pieces there, but that's not, in no way is it hinted that that's his motivation for anything. Right. Right. <laughs> Great. Uh, okay, the high school they go to is yes. actually Glenbrook North, okay. which is not far from here. Right. Um, so, while the high school's name is never stated in the movie, it's suggested that Ferris Bueller and his buddies go to the same high school as the Breakfast Club kids. Right. Because uh, almost all of John Hughes' films take place in Shermer, Illinois. Uh, and the Breakfast Club, when you see the Breakfast Club uh, school from the outside, it does say um, uh, Shermer High School. Right. And the poster inside of Ferris's school, when they show a couple of the inside shots, the poster says, uh, go Shermer, or whatever, right. right? So they're definitely in the same school. Same universe. Same universe, yeah. yeah. The John Hughes shared universe. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case with Pretty in Pink, though. Yeah. You can see 16 Candles, maybe. Pretty in Pink, I don't know. Yeah. Is, uh, where does Pretty in, P- Pretty in Pink take place? Chicago uh, area? I don't know. I, I don't think it's really obvious. No. I'm trying to think if there's anything that would suggest that it is. If you told me it was outside of Cincinnati or something, I'd believe it. But yeah. I have no idea. Eric, what, what are your thoughts yeah, Pretty in Pink does, does not fit in there at all. I would almost, to me, what I would, you said Cincinnati, and I was thinking of what a town, what town it might be, and it's almost like, I don't know, like Pittsburgh or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It feels like a a suburb, sort of, yeah, a blue-collar town or blue-collar adjacent, you know what I mean, uh, with... What's her face's dad, uh, uh, Molly Ringwald's dad, sort of a depressed former steelworker or right. something, you know? I don't know. Yeah. This, yeah, he worked at a mill somewhere or something. Yeah. Or factory. So, back to Ferris. Uh, Ferris changes clothes nine times before leaving his house. Nine times! And, and of course, it's nine because, I mean, it's, nine times. You, hopefully there's purposeful symmetry with the right. nine times of changing his clothes and nine times of being absent, but, uh, yeah. Well, he's, he's putting on a bathing suit, hanging outside for four minutes to call Cameron. He's putting on the get-up with the, uh, with the, the horn, the, the, the flute. The clarinet. Clarinet. Oh, wow. The hoof, the paw. <laughs> uh, you didn't grow up with a mother as a music teacher? I, I, I couldn't pull clarinet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, so the Ferrari's license plates. License plates are a big deal in this movie. Yes. 
The Ferrari's license plate reads Nervous. Right. And apparently all the other, some of the other license plate in, in the movies, or license plates in the movie, are nods to John Hughes's earlier films. Miss, Mr. Bueller's, yeah, Mr. Bueller's license plate reads M, M Mom for Mr. Mom. Mrs. Bueller's reads VCTN. Right. Vacation for National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh. I was trying to figure out what that license plate yeah. was. I'm like, gosh, it's so odd that it's four letters. Mr. I- Rooney's plate reads 4FBDO for four, I don't know what, but the four part, four Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh. And then Jeannie's plate was never seen on screen, but supposedly it read TCB for The Breakfast Club. Hmm. TBC. Yeah. T- yeah. TBC. Yeah. Right. Watching the movie today, I was. it was uh, Mrs. Bueller's license plate, the VCTN, was driving me insane trying <laughs> to figure out what that was. I totally it, agree with you, Eric. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, Alice, four <laughs> letters like that. That means something, but it was driving me insane. I couldn't figure out what it was. It's almost too obvious. I mean, none of us realized it the first time we saw it, I'm sure. But, I mean, they're all like vanity plates. Who, who is, what yeah. family is having vanity plates for no reason in the 80s? Uh, just something you put, that's just a weird yeah. thing. Aren't they freaking Illinois, though? Yeah. Vanity plates? Yeah. Yeah, you, there's no fee to get a vanity plate, so they're kind of... It used to be a big deal, but now you can... Running amok in Illinois with vanity plates. Mm. Although, all the fun ones are either taken or illegal. You, you can't do anything... <laughs> I, you, you can't do the ass man or anything like that. Right. Uh, yeah, so Ferris Bueller has a poster for Simple Minds' Don't You Forget About Me in his room. That's Breakfast Club. The disguise that Ferris wears to pick up Sloan yes. is on his mannequin in his room. I w- it's so funny you say that because I noticed that today yeah. for the very first time, and yeah. I've seen this movie a hundred times. And I'm like, oh my God, the it's hat, right there the on the left. Coat. Yes, on the mannequin that was in the bed. It's weird. Is it just like, is it supposed to be some kind of weird foreshadowing or something? But it's a comedy. Who cares? What are we. I mean, I think it's just showing that he's they, got all he's of just, this stuff yeah. that's just kind of yeah. ready to do whatever. He, he's Eric, ready. have you ever seen that? I that? did not notice that before. Yeah. And, and uh, we were looking at it earlier when he's adjusting the, the, the dials on his stereo, whatever. In the back, like right behind him, you see a, he has a little uh, monitor, a, a, a TV set behind him. You can see it showing a, a chair with a horse on it or whatever. And then 30 seconds later, you see the chair is actually in a different part of his room. He has like a security camera in his room set up. Who knows why? It's just such a weird thing. He has a, his, his room is not the that big. The only thing I could think of is like, does he broadcast, like does he do like any sort of like... His, his own YouTube channel? Prehistoric in podcast. 86? Yeah. <laughs> it's like MTV. I, it's it's weird. I mean, it's fine, but it's, yeah. it's a weird little thing. Uh, yeah, what did he do with all of that besides 
the snort and coughing and sneezing, yeah. what did he have all that equipment for? Yeah. Well, we should come back to that when we talk about if this had a sequel, what would that sequel be like? Because maybe there's a whole thing with him and all this technology and what the hell is going on there. Yep. Uh, Ed Rooney's car was a mid-80s Chrysler to K car. It's almost the exact car that I had in high school. (laughs) His is light blue with four doors. Mine was dark blue with two doors, but it's effectively the same car. Ed Rooney. K car. It was a piece of shit, but it was fine. Yours. You didn't even have a piece of shit. I didn't have that thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Gold. Gold. <laughs> yeah. Make you a... high school, you got a car. That's all you need. doesn't matter. I know. I got a car. He, he got a computer. Right. Uh, oh, so this is a personal thing for us. Well, it, it came up for us. When you... Eric, this makes... You got to walk me through this one, how this could happen. <clears throat> when you rent this movie on... Amazon Prime. Oh. <clears throat> it lists, you know, the director, the whatever. And it lists who's... Like the IMDb rating and... Yeah, yeah. some little tidbits about it. It lists who's starring in the movie. And in order, it only lists three people as starring. So in order, it lists Charlie Sheen, Jeffrey Jones... Jennifer Grey. What? I know! (laughs) So, Charlie Sheen, who's in the movie for 43 seconds at the end, (laughs) a a character without a name. In the movie, right. Jeffrey Jones, who is Ed Rooney, and Jennifer Grey, who's the big sister, who's a, a third fourth character at best they don't mention Matthew Broderick that's insane <laughs> yeah the three main characters yeah yeah the three people that you follow through the entire movie yeah I or, can see that how about the guy I... who, the, the, the actor who plays the title the role guy who was in the title of the movie Ferris fucking Bueller I could see them doing Matthew Broderick and then doing Charlie Sheen and Jennifer Grey just for name recognition because they're not Fine. I mean nobody knows who Sloan Peterson what, I don't even know what her Mia Sarah really, oh yeah <clears throat> but I know it's, it's ridiculous I, it's, it's ridiculous. crazy that's yeah <laughs> yeah there's some ridiculous algorithm somewhere that they have for rating celebrities and who's the most popular, that that's how that got. I guess so, but is is number two Jeffrey Jones? Does that roll off your tongue? Oh, let's go see that new yeah. Jeffrey Jones movie. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. What? Yeah. Okay, so casting. Casting is kind of Well, is there any other... Eric, you had said that you had some trivia. Oh. Were there any other bits of trivia that you think are good to talk about um yeah i mean there's there's a lot with this movie so i'm sure i missed yeah a there bunch. was a lot and brendan you hit um because i was reading through it and i didn't even get to finish reading through it when you called yeah but all the ones that struck me brendan you did you hit most of them 
like the license plates and um, the uh, uh, the gear and stuff like that. Yeah, all that sort of stuff was sticking out to me already. So yeah, I don't have anything else. I guess the only thing that I do want to come back to um, the story about John Hughes having the one like just the one sentence pitch yeah. for the movie and that took six days to write I thought I had heard a story where like the idea for the movie like John Hughes was working with somebody else on a different movie and they were working you know mm-hmm. like living in the same house and you know working through a script and essentially John Hughes woke up one like he essentially had a dream and in the dream is where he came up with the idea for the movie. And the other guy woke up to John Hughes sort of writing something out. And John Hughes is like, oh, do you want to read this? It's like, my, my new idea for a movie is called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No. Oh. And that oh. other guy was Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean. I, I was thinking about just the name Ferris is so well, I, yeah, I'm curious good. About that. It's so good. I want to know where it comes from. It's got to be like a family name or something, you know? Yeah, but, you know, you got Jeannie is a fairly traditional name that you get Ferris is interesting. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I did read where he, he talked about, it's like Bueller is like his maternal grandfather's name or yes. something like that. So that's what that Bueller from, but then, but his name is like, you know, Bertie Bueller or something. Like, where does like, where does Ferris come from? I don't know. It's a name I've never heard before or since. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, all right, let's get into casting. <clears throat> if you have any other trivia that comes up, you can blurt it out, whatever. But uh, we'll move on. So, a lot of times, you'll have these sort of weird casting things, or, or uh, casting stories, like not just they came in for an audition, but, you know, some weird thing happened, and by fate, this person got this thing. I didn't really have, I didn't see much of that for this movie. It was pretty straightforward stuff. Other than, like, your comment where Anthony Michael Hall... Anthony Michael Hall claims that he was Ferris Bueller, you know. That's a very different movie, by the way. He says that, yeah, but um, John Hughes says, I I wrote this for Matthew Broderick. Like, I had him in mind the whole time. Uh, who knows, whatever. Right. But so, which we, we are uh, recording this on Matthew Broderick's 58th birthday. So, happy birthday, Ferris. Um, so, I didn't have, the part was written for Broderick, so I don't have nothing for him, really. Um, it is hard to believe, if he's 58, the part he was playing, he was 18. So, 40? He was, no, he was... He was uh, like 20. 24, 25. No, I, the part he was playing was 18, yeah. not how old he was yeah, yeah, when he was playing yeah. the part. I'm yeah. just saying, I mean, it's kind of like a 40-year yeah. stretch. It's right. just interesting. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so so Broderick got the part for the lead, and then Alan Ruck, who plays Cameron, he was doing Biloxi Blues with Matthew Broderick, and... His agent convinced the uh, the produ- uh, 
Hughes or the, the, the production people to give him an audition because he worked well with Matthew Broderick. They looked the same age, even though he's six years older than Matthew Broderick. So he was almost 30? He turned 30 like just after the movie came out. Oh, my God. So he, he was 29 or whatever yeah. when they were filming this. Um, so that's how he got the, the part, was basically having worked with Broderick right beforehand, the Biloxi Blues thing. Hmm. I don't know that movie very well. I mean, I've... Biloxi Blues? Yeah. Well, the movie, that was the play. Oh, got it. They did the play on Broadway. Movie came... Uh, Matthew Broderick did the movie, but later. Yeah. Okay, that, that's why I was confused. I'm like, Biloxi yeah. Blues came first? Yeah. Okay, no, okay, no. that makes much more sense. Yeah. Okay. So, Matthew Broderick's 25, let's say, 24, 25. Right. Alan Ruck is 29, Mia Sarah was 17 and 18 when, yeah. they, when she was uh, filming. Uh, her first movie was Legend with Tom right. Cruise. Right. <laughs> so she had, had these two movies and then disappeared, like, did some stuff, but nothing you would ever recognize. Did some stuff, and then the last time we see her basically is... In Time Cop in 1994 with Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, uh, this Ferris Legend and Time Cop are the only my only three references to her and any other. Yeah, thing I've ever seen. she was working and did some stuff, I guess, but uh, nothing you would you would notice. Yeah. So, so fun fact about Mia Sarah. Fantastic! I found this one. She was married. To Jason Connery, Sean Connery's son. Hmm. They divorced, and she is now married. So she married Sean Connery's son, got divorced, and then she married Jim Henson's son of the Muppets. Brian Brian Henson? Yes, sir. (laughs) I love that you know Jim Henson's son's name. Well, Brian Henson is a filmmaker on his own. He made. he made a Muppet Christmas Carol, and uh, the movie that came out just a couple years ago was Melissa McCarthy that everybody hated. Oh, yeah. The uh, Happy Time Murders? Or oh, whatever. yeah. Yeah. The adult puppet movie that right. was yeah. highly offended everybody. He directed that, too. I forget. If we go into Muppet territory, Eric's going to crush right. with trivia. Right. So. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's. Broderick, Ruck, Mia Sarah. Um, during production, uh, on screen, brother and sister, Ferris and Jeannie, Jen- uh-huh, Jennifer Grey. were dating. They were? They were dating, they started dating while they were filming the movie. Oh, I think I did know that. Yeah. And they got engaged just before the movie came out. Wow. <laughs> so it's fine, but it's weird. Yeah. It just. It's, it's weird. And they have very few scenes together. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So here's another one. So that happened. And then Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward play uh, Ferris's parents. Yeah. They met on set and eventually got married and had two kids. Whoa. Ferris's parents are actually married or were married. I think I, I, well, gosh, I do. Did I know that? I feel like I, I did not that. know that until I read it today. I know. That's good. 
That's a good. That's good. But story. then they, I think I think I did wrote, read though they got divorced a couple years later. Yeah. Like by ninety two, they were. Divorced. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of it, it kind of works with those two for some reason. Yeah. I don't know if we just it does. If we're used to seeing them together on the in the right. movie or what, but yeah. Um, all right, let me get a drink before we go to who is almost cast, like the, okay. the casting rumors and stuff. Okay. <clears throat> Eric, do you have anything? You can chime in if you like, but... Um, oh, going, ba- going back to... This is sad, but going back to Becky Braddock and Jennifer Grey being engaged, I guess they, they were... This is actually very sad, but... <laughs> I think it's part of the reason why they never got married is they were involved in a pretty serious car accident when they they were like vacationing in Ireland or something and they were in a car wreck and the other people in the other car were killed. Oh, oh wow. really? Whoa. Yeah, I don't... See, I was going to make a joke on they didn't get married because of Jennifer Gray's nose job. <laughs> he didn't recognize her. Yeah, she became so plain that he's like he he, he couldn't find her in a in lineup. Like she just became you know. Wow, I didn't know about the car wreck. Well, did you know? Did you know that before today, or like before researching this? No, I read that. I read that tonight. Wow. Wow. All right, so let's go to casting, sort of. <clears throat> Rumors or reality that didn't happen. <clears throat> so this is so the movie came out in '86. This would have been '84, '85 when this was cast, right? Uh, supposedly Johnny Depp was considered for Ferris. He, I saw somewhere that he says he turned it down. I'm not sure he was ever offered it, but he was considered at least. But uh, he was considered and potentially turned it down uh, due to scheduling conflicts because he was shooting Platoon Hmm. in the 80s. You could almost see him playing the Charlie Sheen character more than the Ferris character. Oh, in hindsight, Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Young Johnny Depp as Ferris, I still don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get him as Ferris at all. But the no. Charlie Sheen character, well, I could I see mean, that. Anybody can almost do that one, right? Mm. Uh, so, as with every movie in the mid '80s, Eric Stoltz auditioned and he was considered. <laughs> um, he did yeah, not. There, or, yeah, or maybe there's probably he probably got the part. Shot for a couple of days, right. two and they fired him. <laughs> he filmed a couple scenes. You can find him on YouTube, but they ne- he never, you know, panned out. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't get it. But a couple of years later, he landed a role in John Sh- John Hughes's film, Some Kind of Wonderful. So he did get in there, but not for Ferris. Apparently, the one that was really considered, except for Broderick, who really had an in and almost got it, was John Cusack. John Cusack hmm. in 85 was almost Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Okay. I could buy it. Better, yeah. off, better off dead, John Cusack. I could see it. Yeah, I... 
No? I, yes, <laughs> I can see why, based on the, the character of Ferris that is portrayed in the movie, there's a... Um, I'm, I'm not thinking of the right... It's not sophisticated, but there is like a kind of... Charm? A, charm, maybe? Or there's like something about the character that would endear him to adults in a very different way than I think a John Cusack portrayal of the same character would be. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he gets away with so much stuff that he does. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a different movie with John Cusack, for sure. He's, yeah, I don't, I don't think it really works that well. I can see it happening, but it's a different movie. Yeah. Um, So the other... I have four other ones here that I read various reports that they were all rumored to be in the running. I don't believe any of them, but I'll throw them out there. And they're, they're, three of them, you know, one of them is pretty obvious. The rest of them, I don't, I think they're fake. But so For Ferris? For Ferris. Okay. Rumored were Michael J. Fox. <laughs> sure, I don't know. He and Eric Stoltz. He and Eric Stoltz were vying for (laughs) (laughs) Back to the Future and uh, Ferris Bueller at the same time. Uh, Jim Carrey, who was a complete unknown then. That doesn't even seem right. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., I could see. Oh, I could could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. And he ended up in Weird Science later. Way more than uh, either John Cusack or... Um, Young Robert Johnny Downey, Depp. I could see that happening for the for the reasons yeah. I was saying before, and yeah. kind of the right. charm or the how he he's can manipulate, sort of, sort of manipulate, mischievous, but yeah. you don't hate him. He's not a right. bad guy, but he's not a he's not the best. He's not perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the last one, which makes no sense whatsoever, this has to be just a fake internet thing. Tom Cruise. Oh. Uh, he would have been way too old for for one. Right. Wasn't but, that like Top Gun around the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Top Gun came out that year. How, how does yeah, I, what what year did Risky Business come out? Like eighty two. That was my next question. I want to say like eighty three. Yeah, eighty two, eighty three. Gotta be. And so, he looked. I mean, well, if you if you put him in that that Top Gun era, which is effectively the same time as this, give or take a year. Hey. 83. Tom Cruise yeah, in yeah. Top, Top Gun could not play a high school kid. He no. couldn't be 18 years old. You can't no. be kidding me. Yeah. No. So that, that's got to be fake. He's born in 1960. Tom Cruise was born July 62, so he would have been, he'd have been, yeah, 22, 20. He'd have been the same age as Brad Broderick, essentially. Oh, really? I thought Broderick was, say, five years younger. Huh. All right. Well, so then for Cameron, the only one that I saw was apparently Emilio Estevez was offered the part and turned it down for some reason. Oh, thank God. For Cameron. Yeah, that's not good. Take that with a grain of salt. I don't yeah. know if that's real. For Sloan, <clears throat> apparently Molly Ringwald wanted to play Sloan, but John Hughes said that the part was too small for her. I that, could see that. that makes I mean, I, sense. I feel like that role is a little interchangeable. Yeah. 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 And it is a small role. And, 
at that time, she would right. have been getting bigger. Right. All right. Uh, so after we hear the casting, the real casting stuff, and then the rumor stuff, do you guys have anybody from that time that you would have wanted to see in there besides the people who were on screen? Like, would you have replaced anybody with somebody else? Because I, I don't, I think it's perfect casting. I don't know how I you. I totally agree. Other than Sloan, maybe there's other unknown stars that we, or mm-hmm. uh, movie actresses that would have done that, but I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, Sloan, Sloan is a character you could literally put any actress into that role and would have been fine. Yeah, there's I mean, she's sort of, you know, she's not a main about that at all. Yeah. There's no challenge. There's, Acting-wise, I don't think there's a real challenge there. The only thing, the only re- but she works as a um, love interest for Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. You know, right. so there's a chemi- there's a, almost like some chemistry there you that seemed s- that it works. You got to see that person, yeah. standing next to him and believe that they would be a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's effectively it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, just. I would to answer your question. I can't think of anybody that I would change. No. I mean, this movie is it's pretty pretty spot high on. up on my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Um, for yeah. nostalgia reasons, for casting, the the dialogue, the well, pacing, like all of like I love all. We of just it. watched it a couple hours ago. It absolutely holds up, and it's still funny. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. So. All right, based on all that stuff, or not based on it, but uh, an extension of it. Now, take the movie and recast it today. So you're going to make Ferris Bueller today. Same script as much as possible. I mean, obviously, we have to adapt for Mm -hmm. 2020, but as much the same as we can do today. Cell phones cause a major problem with this entire script, but... It, it doesn't, it doesn't, because I feel like there are scenes of the movie, though, like with cell phones, that would play very differently with social media. So, like, the whole payphone scene, Everything for example, like, I think would be really interesting, The rather than the they would kid get, collecting they coins. They would get nailed at the Cubs game in 18 different ways by somebody with a cell phone or something. A parade. How does the parade Posting a picture on Twitter, Twitter or something. Yeah, the, the parade would be a huge one. Uh, yeah, there's... So putting all that aside... Right. This is the uh, recasting debate, recaster bait for this movie. Recast this movie, 2020. It's going to come out next year. Who do you got? Because I, I have... Uh, a few people here and there in, in some role. Uh, I have one role I can't, I have no idea how to cast. But I have some, and they're all way too old. I, I can't even come up with anything for this. So, Allison, you appear to have something uh, going on over there. So. I, but I don't, I, I, I want to give Eric a chance, but I will oh. say that for the preparation, the preparation for this Yeah. Um, podcast. I did the most work on this part of it because I'm usually not very good no, at it. Let's and let's so I had to <clears throat> do a little research. But what I found, I feel really good about. See, I think I think you. And got it. when I watched it today, I watched it with all the people I picked in mind 
to see how they would and play, works. and it works. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. let me go first, because mine, just for the sake of comedy, you will just laugh okay. at mine, because they're okay. ridiculous. Okay. I feel only one makes sense, and it's an easy one, and the rest okay. of them are, 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 I have no idea. For Ferris Bueller, the only thing I came up with, and he's definitely too old, was Michael Sarah. Oh. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah. I, I, I have no faith that that would even work. Uh, no. Cameron, I have nobody, no idea who I can play Cameron. I have nothing. Because I don't, I don't know any actors under the age of 25 or 28 even. So mm-hmm. Sloan, I had two options. Both are definitely too old, but maybe they can pull it off. This was, if we did this exercise... Eight years ago, I think I got it nailed. Right. But, uh, today it's fucked. Right. Uh, Margot Robbie, young, unknown Margot Robbie for Sloan, right. maybe. Today, no way. Zoe Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Could Zoe Kravitz is a good one. Yeah. Uh, Ed Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I like. Uh, Stephen Root. Who is the oh. guy from Office Space right. and Barry? Yes, I think he'd be a mm-hmm. great Ed Rooney. That's a good. That's a that's a good one. I also thought maybe you go with somebody with who's really into comedy, and maybe you go a Rain Wilson mm-hmm. with an Ed Rooney. Okay, I would love somebody who can pull off a mustache, but I don't know who that is. Okay, so all right, whatever for the role of Genie. Yep, this is just a shot in the dark, and it's bad. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh. Who can be bitchy? I don't know who, who yeah. that is, but that's all I got. The easy one, the biggest layup of all of this is uh, Rooney's secretary, Megan McCarthy. Melissa yeah. McCarthy. Oh, oh, shit. Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> that's who I had. It can, yeah. only be, it can only be her and that's nobody else can, it can. Come on. Yeah. I did have one other one that would work, but it's a throwaway character. <laughs> yeah. Is... Charlie Sheen's yeah. guy, Pete Davidson. Oh, I had yep. I thought of him too. <laughs> Pete Davidson will work for that guy. Yep. I have. I had him as as a possible candidate. Yeah. Again, that's. I think that's an easy one. Yeah. So, but uh, so for the main characters, I get almost nothing. Okay. Eric, do you would have any? Chad, would he be sitting on the couch just being Chad? Yeah. Yeah. He's basically, Chad. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Um. <laughs> Eric, All right, Eric. Do you have any thoughts on this one? I have a, I have very few. This was the the part that I needed to prepare for the most, and I ended up kind of preparing for the least. Sorry. Right. Um, cool. but I do have a couple of ideas. Um, for <laughs> Ferris, uh, maybe Tom Holland. I considered him too. I don't. I don't know. I don't know about that guy. Maybe. Yeah. I love maybe Tom he's great. Uh, I hope he can do that. For Sloan, maybe um, uh, Millie Bobby Brown um, from Stranger Things. I don't. Sure, I don't even know. Okay. Is, is she too young? How old is she? Fifteen. I feel like I need to see her in a different. Like, I need to kind of look at her in a different way. It's so hard to think of her 
not as 11 I mean, or as got, like a, a little girl. Like yeah, I'd have she's got to gotta play a, be ju- as a, a legitimate junior in high school. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you're closer okay. in age than I am, so. Um, a, if this movie had been made, like, same situation, Brennan, this, we were doing this exercise a couple of years ago for Cameron, maybe Miles Teller. I was oh. thinking about him too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's as far as I got. Yeah. Okay. All right, Al. This is uh, your time to shine. I, don't, I I hope it works. All right. So I hope that I even know who these people are. So I've had to kind of try to find reference points for you on a couple <laughs> of them. So for Ferris. The actor I thought of, his name is Joe Keery. Your reference would be, uh, yours meaning Brendan, your reference would be the trust fund kid in Molly's Game who gets busted. Oh, um, for Ferris? For Ferris. Is he Um, he also He is also the older kid in Stranger Things. He's the older high school kid that they all kind of follow around Eric do you know who he is Uh, I'm pretty sure I know who he is yeah so he's got kind of longer hair so you kind of think about this in a 2020 role he's kind of he's got that look of okay comes from upper middle class you know he can kind of play this charmer kind of is he likable enough or is he too smarmy I don't. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm putting. I'm gonna put some faith that he can pull it off. But we'll that's work who, that like out I, in the audition think, process. Right. Yeah. Well. we'll so I had him, Cameron. I really like my pick. Oh my god. Is Ezra Miller who plays the Flash? I thought about him too. Yeah. Okay. So you think about okay. him in all of those scenes and how Cameron yeah. plays it. It's so right. I can't yeah. argue with that one. I, uh, yeah, I don't know about. Yeah, I think it works. Okay, Sloan was the hardest one for me, um, and I will still go back to my earlier comment, which is this is a character that's almost interchangeable. But yeah, trying to play off of who might work with the guy who I picked with Ferris. Oh yeah. Um, her name is Chloe Grace Moritz. Um, oh yeah, blonde, oh, yeah. Girl, blonde girl. She's in a bunch of different yeah. movies. Kind of a young twenties character. I think she would work with him. Go ahead, Eric. She was. Uh, she was in uh, Kick Ass. Yes, yeah. that's what I know her from. Yeah. That's how I know of her. Right. She was. Uh, she, she was Jack's nemesis on Thirty Rock. Yes. Oh, right. That's pretty good. Um, Ed Rooney. Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, damn it. That's a good one. That's good. That's a really good one. I did think about switching genders, switching race. and Oh, I I tried doing it in a lot of different ways. I could barely come up with any of any characters, much less do that. Felt strong <clears throat> on uh, Kegel, Mike, and Pete. Mike Damn and Pete. it. That's a good one. Uh, like you, Brendan, I had for Grace, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's perfect. The parents, 
Oh, I, you went to the parents. I did. Oh, I go deep. Um, the parents, I had Christina Applegate and Jason Bateman. Okay. All right. Bateman, perfect. Yeah. All right. I got no qualms with that. Genie, I had Zendaya. Yeah. I had her as a candidate for Sloan. As well. I did too. I, I did too. But you were saying who <clears throat> can pull off? I know. The anger, the 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 brooding anger. I think she can do it. I know. Yeah, her, um, yeah, her, M- all she has to do is to sort of redo MJ from Spider-Man, and she could be Genie. But yeah. I think it needs to be a little, it would, it would be more, it's more than that, but yeah, it's I mean, that's bigger. sort of what gave me the idea. Yeah. She's yeah. so damn likable, though. So, but, I mean, Jennifer Grey was the <clears throat> same way, you know. I'd never seen her before. Ferris. I'm saying. Yeah. So the drug dealer, I was like you. I had Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson at yeah. one point. A little too old, but yeah. I had Donald Glover. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. So That's I thought that was kind fun. of would be kind of an interesting one, but he who I settled in on. Thinking about it more as like a total tweaker kind of strung out heroin kind of character, I thought Timothy Chalamet could really pull that yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now for fan favorite um, characters in the movie, the two garage guys. <laughs> I love that you said the two garage guys. One guy's barely on screen. Right, right. But I thought the two of them together would be funny. Fuck. Um, John Turturro and Jordan Peele. <laughs> <laughs> Turturro, sure. He's too old for that part. Right, fine. Right. Cares. Jordan Peele's, is the, they're both about the same age, but. Jordan. <laughs> I can't have Jordan Peele in a movie with. In such a small part. But that's why I love it. Uh, it's, it's kind fine. of like a... So that let, gets to Woo! the very last one, which I almost started laughing at. There's while more? we're watching It's the last one. We got to the garage guys and there's still more? There's one more because we were watching the movie and I didn't think of it until we watched the movie today. The uh, florist delivery guy? Not the guy, but the nurse. Oh, okay. Cardi B. <laughs> sure but it wouldn't be singing that song it would be doing some no, some fine. other whatever but I'm trying whatever. like so kind of thinking about the 2020 uh, version of it so wow hmm okay that uh <laughs> I did not we were, did not realize we were going so deep with the recasting uh wow all the way down to the uh, I don't know what you call her, but uh, the stripper. Yeah, yeah. The prostitute. Candygram escort. Mm-hmm. 